Hi, I'm Philip Anthony Albertelli, and this is The Week in Doubt, episode 198. Before we dig into the meat of today's show, I'd like to quickly go over my own backstory. I think it will lead into today's discussion rather nicely, and hopefully it will give you guys some idea of where I'm coming from. Now, for my regular listeners, you've probably heard a lot of this before, so please bear with me, and I'll try to move through this preamble of sorts as quickly as possible. So I was raised Catholic. At a young age, I started to have doubts, had an interest in things like mythology, ancient history, comparative religion, etc. Reading up on those things made me all the more keenly aware of the man-made nature of religion. By my late teens, my belief in the Christian God was pretty much dead. I found the idea that there might not be a God or an afterlife absolutely horrifying, but nevertheless, that's the conclusion that my reason led me to. Went through some pretty rough existential bouts over that stuff, studied Eastern religion for a while. Um, In retrospect, I kind of jokingly like to think of Buddhism as training wheels for atheism. At least that's kind of the way it worked for me. I think eventually I grew a thicker existential skin. Uh, I'm no longer really bothered by the idea of my own mortality. Not afraid to die, just don't want to be there when it happens, to paraphrase Woody Allen. So even though I was very skeptical for a long time, I considered myself merely agnostic because I think I misunderstood how most atheists use the term. I thought that to be an atheist, you had to be 100% certain that there was no God, when it's more the case that there's some overlap between atheism and agnosticism, belief claim versus knowledge claim, disproving a negative, all that stuff. Then about five years ago or so, maybe, I started reading the works of high-profile atheists like Dawkins and Hitchens and watching atheist debates on YouTube, and I realized, hey, I am an atheist. I've probably been one since my teens, if not earlier. Uh, Then as cliche or pretentious as it might sound, I always wanted to write a book of philosophy, uh, my personal take on the big questions. And since I started to embrace atheism more actively, I thought I'd write a book about why I'm an atheist, kind of part book of philosophy, part autobiography. I started writing the book, wrote somewhere in between, I don't know if it was three to 10 chapters, I can't even remember now. At the time, I had really started getting into listening to podcasts, and I had a light bulb moment. Ah, podcast. I don't have to try to find an editor or peddle a manuscript or try to self-publish. I can just sit down in front of my computer and press record, and I can get my thoughts out to uh, others right away. And that's pretty much how the podcast was born. And maybe this is something that happens with a lot of so-called deep thinkers. And I say so-called because it always feels so weird referring to oneself as a deep thinker. It sounds way too self-congratulatory or something. I think all of us probably have the ability to think deeply about things, and all of us wrestle with life's big questions, but maybe some of us do tend to think more deeply or more frequently about those things. But anyway, when I was younger, I assumed that there was something special about my depth of thought, uh, special about my insights. But I quickly learned once I really became active online and started engaging people about these topics 
that I'm just another drop in the bucket. There's a lot of really smart and thoughtful people, a lot of fellow quote-unquote deep thinkers out there, and I count many of my listeners and YouTube subscribers among them. And uh, thanks to all you guys for continuing to interact with me. I really appreciate it. I started uploading some of my podcast episodes to YouTube maybe two or three years ago. And at the time, I was really oblivious to the YouTube atheist community. I used to watch Dawkins and Hitchens and other atheist debates and lectures, etc. But I really didn't follow any atheist content creators. I had heard of the amazing atheist here and there, and I finally checked him out as well as some other content creators, maybe about a year or a year and a half ago or so. And that's a whole nother ball game, as heated as some academic theist versus atheist debates can be, they seem rather tame in comparison to the savage no man's land that is YouTube atheism. A lot of over the top and in your face stuff, a lot of fighting and feuding, and I don't think Christopher Hitchens ever stuffed a banana up his ass. Well, you never know. Just kidding. I actually like The Amazing Atheist, and Christopher Hitchens is one of my intellectual heroes. Levity, people. Levity. You need it to stay sane. My apologies to my listeners who have delicate ears. I think one of the first compliments I received after starting this podcast, and I've heard it echoed a couple of times, is that I'm supposedly laid back and don't swear. I personally don't have anything against swearing, and I swear when I'm with my friends, but I try to keep it to a minimum on the show, just out of respect for my listeners who are kind of sensitive about profanity. Uh, a listener who I interact with a lot and who I've come to consider a friend, Russ Ray, once said something to the effect of, I don't mind the swearing, just please don't start yelling or something like that. And I took that to mean that even though I have a small audience, uh, I think I kind of serve as an alternative to some of the more over-the-top atheist hosts out there. As a listener or viewer, I personally don't mind the more irreverent or in-your-face approach of other online atheists. As I said last week, I have a rather inappropriate sense of humor, and it takes a lot to offend me. But just personally, as a host, it's not my style, although I can be pretty irreverent, see the aforementioned banana joke. But anyway, now that I've rambled about myself for about six minutes, uh, now let's get into the meat of the discussion. And perhaps I should offer a disclaimer of sorts. I'm about to discuss the type of stories or topics that YouTube atheists tend to be focusing on. And it's not meant to be critical, it's more just me exploring my observation that, ironically, YouTube atheists don't really seem to be talking much about atheism anymore. So once again, not necessarily a critique, people are free to discuss anything they want. I just found it an interesting topic and wanted to, uh, you know, explore it. So if you kind of step outside yourself and look at it as if for the first time, it does seem kind of weird that many of the most popular atheists on YouTube seem to spend a heck of a lot more time talking about social justice issues like feminism, issues of race, police shootings, etc., than they do actually talking about atheism or criticizing religion. 
With the exception of Islam, which I actually think is rather understandable, since at this point in time it's radical Islam that's wreaking havoc on the world stage. And that brings me to the point that there's this kind of schism dividing the online atheist community. You have the uber-politically correct crowd on the one hand, the ones that some deem social justice warriors, or SJWs for short, or a regressive leftist, a term coined by Majid Nawaz, I believe, uh, a Muslim reformer and friend and colleague of Sam Harris. And then on the other side, you have those who are fighting back against this kind of stifling, politically correct climate. I personally think that groupthink is anathema to independent thought, so I try to avoid this West Side story, my team versus your team crap, and with a measured approach, try to call them like I see them. And politically speaking, just to let you know how I lean, I, I tend to consider myself an independent who leans left on many, if not most, issues. Now, personally, I do think that there is this kind of disturbing, overly politically correct climate right now that's kind of infected the atheist community. And it's gotten to the point where, as an atheist, it's as if you're being made to feel self-conscious by other atheists for daring to criticize Islam, for fear that you might be called a racist or a xenophobe or something— Atheists characterizing other atheists as racist for critiquing or criticizing a religion. Rather bizarre and or ironic on a number of levels when you think about it. I think as long as you're criticizing ideas or the ideology or the doctrine of religion and not the uh, adherents because of their skin color or whatever, then it's fair game. Uh, if you call yourself an atheist and you're willing to criticize a Christian for not baking a cake for a uh, gay couple, but you won't criticize Islam uh, regarding the treatment of women in certain parts of the Muslim world, or when people are being blown up or having their heads cut off, you should be damned ashamed. You're being cowardly and intellectually dishonest. Maybe I put that rather strongly, but that's how I feel. Now, I do admit, and this has nothing to do with right or wrong, this has more to do with people's perceptions, and it's just an observation. I do admit that when people rail against the same group week after week, you do unfortunately run the risk, fairly or not, of being seen as possibly being biased or bigoted. If you only criticize Islam, uh, people might start to, to wonder if you're critical of Islam because, like me, you have a problem with the doctrine and you're critical of religion in general? Or are you constantly criticizing Islam because you're a xenophobe who doesn't like brown people? Um, or if you're constantly talking about black crime, um, etc., eventually people might start to think, man, this dude really doesn't seem to like black people very much. You know, why is he constantly talking about race or whatever? Um, you know, is it really because you think the media is putting this politically correct spin on these police shooting cases, or is there some other reason you're always you know, focusing on it? And I'll talk a little bit more about the race angle a little later. But like I said earlier, I do think there's a very logical or solid reason why Islam in particular is receiving more scrutiny or criticism right now. And that's because of this constant epidemic 
of nonstop terrorist attacks, incidents of Islamic extremism. It might not be fair to all the decent Muslims who aren't blowing people up, but hey, I think we have a right to criticize your religion or any other religion, especially when there's this epidemic of people killing other people in your religion's name. And I think when online atheists are criticizing Islam, at least they're on topic, you know, they're discussing and critiquing a religion. And uh, let me offer another disclaimer, a caveat. I did a video where I kind of defended Sam Harris against the accusations of Omar Aziz. Not that Sam needed me to defend him. And a viewer took issue with something I said. I seem to imply at one point that if you're an atheist, you should be criticizing Islam, not defending it. And the person in question made a fair point that I actually agreed with, that being an atheist doesn't mean that you have to criticize religion. You technically can be an atheist and also be very accepting and tolerant towards religion. I try to be a nice guy, and there are a lot of things I like about different faiths, but at the end of the day, I am the type of atheist who believes in criticizing religion, supernatural faith claims, etc. I try to choose my battles. I don't go around knocking the Bibles out from under the arms of old women or anything like that. And I try to be respectful with religious people I meet in my personal life. You know, I, I try to find common ground. Yeah, so partially in an attempt not to look obsessed, and also because I'm generally interested in what's going on with other religions too, I don't just focus on Islam, I try to spread the love around. I'll cover terrorist attacks when they occur, and sadly, they seem to be occurring with increasing frequency. And I'll also discuss other stories involving Islam. Not that long ago, I discussed the ongoing fatwa against author Salman Rushdie, and I covered the story of an Iranian metal band called Confess that were being jailed and threatened with execution. And sometimes I'll do little documentary pieces looking at certain troublesome Quranic verses, etc. But I also cover plenty of stories having to do with Christianity and religion in general as well. As far as social issues like race and feminism go... I'll watch other YouTubers talk about that stuff, but I really don't have much interest in talking about those topics myself. The whole point of the beginning of this episode where I gave you a little bit of my backstory was to make the point that I'm driven by an interest in religion, philosophy, life's big existential questions. I've touched on topics like race and feminism when I've been temporarily sidetracked because they were involved in stories concerning other atheists I was talking about or something, but they really don't interest me. I think race can be interesting to discuss if you're talking about it from a scientific perspective, discussing human evolution and the migration of early man, etc., but I have no real interest in talking about things like black crime statistics or the latest police shootings. I find those things only slightly more interesting than discussing, say, the history of bowling or watching paint dry. I'm not saying that those aren't important things to discuss, no matter what side of the issue you're on. Um, it's just, and maybe this is selfish, just me personally, I don't find those things very interesting. I'd rather talk about things that I'm more naturally drawn to, like religion and skepticism. I don't know if I mentioned this on the show yet or not. Back around the holidays, actually, I think it was at the very same party where I had that horrible incident uh, that I devoted a whole episode to that involved um, weaning off of antidepressants and taking a huge rip off of a bong. 
Uh, but I somehow got pulled into a discussion about Black Lives Matter. Someone brought up the topic and seemed to want my opinion on it. And uncharacteristically, I just kind of sheepishly and disinterestedly said, uh, I guess maybe they can kind of do some good by drawing attention to certain issues. And this girl flipped her wig. She raised her voice and said, they kind of do some good. Then I started to get uh, a little peeved and I said, they're a hashtag movement. There are scattered groups and individuals claiming to be acting on behalf of Black Lives Matter. And I brought up the time a group of supposed Black Lives Matter activists bullied Bernie Sanders off his own stage. Bernie, a guy who actually was involved in the civil rights movement. And I think recently there was another incident where another group of supposed Black Lives Matter activists in Canada, strangely enough, interfered with a gay pride parade. So is Black Lives Matter a force for good? Uh, guess it depends on who's wielding the hashtag. Uh, but my own view on race is, and I think it's a fairly enlightened and scientifically grounded view, is that we're all one race, one species, homo sapiens, out of Africa and all that. I do think there are some genetic differences, phenotypes, etc., between different populations. Different groups can be predisposed to certain illnesses, blacks with sickle cell anemia, Ashkenazi Jews with Tay-Sachs, etc. And there's obviously some superficial cosmetic differences that developed along the way, differences in skin and hair color. Uh, but I think we're so close genetically. Um, I think I once heard it put that there is or there can be more genetic variation between two members of the same family or the same group than there is between two different quote-unquote racial groups. And I'll put the words racial group in quotation marks because I think it's still up for debate scientifically, whether it even makes scientific sense to divide people into different racial groups. And even if you want to do that, I think the number of proposed groups differs depending on which scientist you ask and um, what their personal definition of what constitutes a racial group is. Yeah, so I try to have an enlightened, humanistic, but at the same time honest and scientifically grounded view on race. There are some controversial studies out there on quote-unquote race and IQ. I touched on the subject in a couple of episodes after uh, someone on YouTube took issue with my happy, clappy views on race and suggested that I check out some of the research out there. Those were two very uncomfortable episodes, and hopefully I don't ever have to tread that ground again. But I guess I kind of uh, am now. And uh, damn, that's meta. Now, I listen to and watch a wide variety of online atheists, everyone from mild-mannered progressive types like Essence of Thought to kind of fringe and controversial types like Stefan Molyneux. Uh, Stefan can be fun to watch, but I try not to take him too, too seriously. He talks about race and IQ a lot to the point where I'm like, this is getting weird, man. What's going on? But in fairness, even though it makes me feel a little uncomfortable to think about it, I guess there's technically no reason why two different groups couldn't have different IQ averages. If an isolated population can develop a different hair type, skin color, and bone structure, why not a difference in IQ average, too? But I don't necessarily think it's a good or healthy thing to focus on, you know? It's like, who cares? We can still all have sex and make babies, so whatever. You know it's human if you can have sex with it and make a baby. 
<clears throat> what the hell's wrong with me? Did I mention I'm drinking during this episode? Um, <laughs> as far as <laughs> as far as feminism goes, to be honest, before I heard of stuff like Gamergate and Elevator Gate, feminism really wasn't even a blip on my radar. I was born in the uh, 1970s, so yes, I am older than many of you listening. And so feminism for me uh, invoked images of Susan B. Anthony, bra burnings, and Mary Tyler Moore. And yes, I know Susan B. Anthony didn't live during the 70s. You know, you just heard about her a lot. And, you know, and Mary Tyler Moore being able to work in an office. And like most decent people, I thought equality between the sexes was a good thing. Women having the same rights as men, of course. And I still think that. I think, of course, there are obviously some physiological differences between men and women, but I think in our common humanity, in our value as human beings, we're equal. I don't know if that's a scientific claim or just my humanistic value speaking, but either way, uh, that's what I think. So that being said, I certainly don't have a problem with feminism, quite the opposite, but I do resent uh, some of the politically correct baggage and Orwellian newspeak that sometimes accompanies the kind of modern feminism that we find on college campuses and on YouTube. But that leads into what I wanted to talk about next. What caused the YouTube atheist community to move away from standard atheist fare like debunking creationism and start focusing on all these social issues like feminism and black crime and political correctness on college campuses? Well, I think at least in part, it's probably a kind of reactionary phenomenon, a backlash against a rise in politically correct sentiment in the atheist community. A pushback, if you will, against things like um, quote-unquote free thought blogs and Atheism Plus. If you're not familiar, free thought blogs is, as the name might suggest, a kind of atheist blog site. It's known for kind of chewing up and spitting out people who don't toe the PC line, including some well-known YouTube atheists like Thunderfoot, Noel Plum, and I think Micaru Media. And Atheism Plus was, and I say was because I don't know if it's defunct or not. I tried going to their main forum page today and got an error message, but their Facebook page or group appears to still be active, I think. But anyway, Atheism Plus was this organization or movement that attempted to merge atheism with social justice causes. I think their tagline was or is more than disbelief. Or something like that. And as an atheist, I'm on board with atheism, okay. And social justice causes, I'm for equal rights and equality and all that jazz. But I think the problem arises when you try to merge the two. I forget who said it, but they made a really good point that when you're dealing with atheists, you're already dealing with rather independently minded people, people who might already be a little wary of groupthink and who, like myself, might not really be quote unquote joiners. And now on top of that, you're going to try to push all this extra baggage on them. I think most decent people are for equal rights and behaving ethically. If they weren't, they wouldn't be decent. They just don't want to be forced to carry someone else's politically correct baggage or have someone sanctimoniously preaching to them about social issues when they came to hear about science and skepticism. 
And I think like an overly politically correct, politically correct drinking game phrase of the week, Frankenstein's monster gone haywire. Free thought blogs and atheism plus just finally grew out of control and eventually they began to eat their own. Even bigwigs like Ophelia Benson and mythicist Richard Carrier were eventually bitten on the ass by the overly politically correct monster they helped create. P.Z. Myers, once a renowned atheist speaker and respected biologist, has pretty much been reduced to a petulant and petty poster boy, check out that alliteration, for uh, the political correctification, yeah, I know that's not a real word, of online atheism. And speaking of P.Z. Myers, I can remember the good old days when he was still respected enough that you could hear the likes of Richard Dawkins quote him. Richard Dawkins, who's now been made out to be some kind of chauvinist boogeyman by the Free Thought Blogs crowd. And I have to say this really irritates me. I have a lot of respect for Richard Dawkins and seeing the way people, supposedly fellow atheists, have tried to tar and feather him over what most of us would consider rather innocuous, maybe at the worst, borderline politically incorrect tweets and public statements, really gets my back up. So I think all of that in part is why we see this anti-political correctness sentiment among YouTube atheists and why we've seen a shift from atheists talking about, well, atheism and focusing more on topics like feminism, etc., Another reason might be, and I've heard people like The Amazing Atheist say as much, is simply that people get tired of talking about the same thing all the time. That in a way, maybe atheism's been done to death and there's nothing more to say. I personally disagree with the latter sentiment. I still find talking about religion and skepticism, trying to debunk supernatural faith claims, etc., covering news stories having to do with religious dumbassery, I still find all that stuff really interesting. And hopefully it's a good thing that there's still people like myself and the thinking atheist around who are still interested in focusing on more traditional atheist topics. And in fairness, a lot of atheist YouTubers who have shifted over to talking about these social justice issues still do tackle religion at times. The Drunken Peasants, the podcast The Amazing Atheist does with his friend and brother, they still regularly dissect clips of crazy right-wing pastors and preachers and stuff like that. And I think Sargon just did a video comparing the so-called deadly sins of Christianity and Islam. And I think Atheism is Unstoppable recently did a video on Mormonism, and he obviously still does a lot of videos about Islam. But what do I think? Do I think there's a merit in atheists tackling subjects like feminism and black crime? And if you're a listener who doesn't watch a lot of YouTube atheist content, you might be wondering, what the hell does Phil mean by atheists talking about black crime? What the heck is that all about? Well, some atheist YouTubers, I feel weird when I say YouTubers, like I'm saying tubers, like root vegetables in the potato family or whatever. But anyway, some like The Amazing Atheist and Atheism is Unstoppable will sometimes talk about police shootings and whether or not the response to them is overly politically correct or not. They'll comb through black crime stats, etc. Thunderfoot will sometimes discuss Black Lives Matter and things like that. Well, this is stuff I don't want to touch with a 10-foot pole, really. Uh, talking about religion is already controversial enough, never mind race and crime statistics. Um, 
once again, I have no real interest in tackling that kind of thing, but I'll still watch other YouTube personalities talk about that stuff. I guess whether or not there's any merit in talking about that kind of thing depends on whether or not there's really a problem with political correctness clouding the statistics or whatever. I don't know. As I said at the beginning of the episode, this isn't about me shaking my finger at anyone or trying to tell people what they should be talking about. It's just me kind of exploring the status quo. And quickly, before I forget, I think another interesting chapter in this whole thing where we have um, prominent atheist YouTubers shifting over the talking about uh, social justice issues and tackling political correctness has to do with the Young Turks, uh, a very, very popular online news show that, that's been around for years. And many viewers of these kind of anti-political correctness YouTube channels and many of the uh, hosts of these channels themselves are former Young Turks fans who've kind of become disillusioned over time. And I think this mainly has to do with the way the Young Turks started covering stories having to do with Islam. They seem, especially the host, Cenk Uger, the main host, it, it seems like they start to assume this kind of apologist stance when covering stories having to do with radical Islam. And I think that really started to uh, rub people the wrong way. And another big uh, YouTube atheist right now is Dave Rubin, uh, an openly gay liberal who used to be a co-host on The Young Turks, who himself uh, became kind of disillusioned with what they were doing and basically jumped ship and uh, started his own channel. And I can remember seeing all of this go down. I, I will still watch the Young Turks sometimes. And if you're a critic of the Young Turks and you say you don't watch them, you're probably lying. Because uh, <laughs> I think a lot of the people who are really heavily critical of the Young Turks do watch them because they seem pretty up to date on uh, what it is that the Young Turks have been up to and what they're saying. So I think a lot of people do watch them just to see you know, where they'll go wrong next or whatever. Um, and I still watch them sometimes. Uh, I still like some of the people on there, and I still uh, agree with some of what they say. But I do shift into full skeptic mode when they're covering stories having to do with Islam. And I think it was just yesterday. You should check it out because it's pretty wild. Uh, <laughs> I became aware of this, this uh, clip of this Jerry Springer-esque clash that occurred um, between the Young Turks and conspiracy theorist Alex Jones, another very, strangely enough, very, very popular uh, YouTuber. Not only is Alex a conspiracy theorist, but he's also a bit of a provocateur. And he basically went on to the Young Turks stage while they were doing some live event covering politics. And things got pretty wild and Jimmy Dore may or may not have spit in Alex Jones' face. Um, yeah, so it really was this kind of Jerry Springer, old-school Geraldo Rivera uh, type of moment. Um, but I think the Young Turks themselves 
uh, uploaded an edited version of it. But and I think Alex Jones posted like an eight minute long version of it. So um, it's worth kind of checking out for the uh, shock value. Yeah, but I can remember watching all this unfold. Uh, The big moment for me was I was watching a Young Turks panel discussion um, about the Charlie Hebdo massacre. And I think both as an atheist and as an artist, you know, I do have that graphic design degree that I've been letting uh, go to waste and I've... uh, I've been drawing literally as long as I can remember. My whole family, since I was a little kid, tried to push me into doing art for a living. Um, So I think both as an artist and as uh, an atheist, I sided with the artist of Charlie Hebdo um, and as a free speech proponent. I think political cartoons, political uh, satire can be very powerful and uh, obviously, I have no problem with criticizing religion. So I was firmly behind the Charlie Hebdo cartoons, as well as the earlier uh, Dutch cartoons as well, if you remember that controversy. And Ben Mankiewicz, one of the co-hosts on The Young Turks, and I think also a host of Turner Classic Movies, who generally speaking, I kind of like, you know, but I didn't care for his attitude on this particular day. He got visibly upset was slamming his hand into the desk um, and was talking about how... He was talking about Muslims, like they're this minority. Um, Statistically, I mean, Islam was Islam, like the second largest religion in the world. What is it? Uh, 1.6 or 1.7 billion adherents or something. Um, So they're not really a minority in that sense. But he's trying to make Muslims seem like this downtrodden community, almost this group... That needs to be coddled. And he was visibly and audibly upset. And he was talking about how he didn't like the Charlie Hebdo cartoons. And he thought they were basically people rubbing these caricatures in the face faces of these already downtrodden people. And you could tell Dave Rubin was on the panel that day, and you could tell Dave Rubin was like, what the... He kind of had, you know, this open-jawed, wide-eyed look, you know, watching Mankiewicz kind of melt down over uh, Charlie Hebdo or whatever. And um, there was a couple other incidents like that. I think I remember Dave Rubin was trying to stay calm and pleasant, but he was kind of like one man against several, you know, uh, arguing uh, about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And uh, Dave was on, you know, the side of Israel. And you could tell he was um, trying to stay as good-natured as possible, but he kind of had that what-the-hell look. And I think it was shortly after that that he left the Young Turks and started uh, his own gig. And there's been a big backlash against the Young Turks. A lot of atheism is unstoppable viewers or former uh, Young Turks uh, viewers. And I can remember the first time I found out about atheism is unstoppable. It was shortly after I started to feel kind of disillusioned with TYT, at least their coverage of stories having to do with Islamic terrorism. And I saw this guy with a kangaroo avatar in the comment section of a tyt video 
And he said something that was similar to what I was thinking. And so I think I started kind of shooting the breeze with him. And uh, I thought I was under the assumption he was just just another YouTube viewer or whatever. And then someone said something to him like, oh, why don't you do videos anymore? And this is probably like a year and a half ago or more. And it might have been during a lull in between his videos or something. So I started checking out his content. And it's funny, even Atheism is Unstoppable. Some of his earlier videos were uh, him taking on like Eric Hovind, um, this kind of more like traditional atheist uh, content. Um, and I think there was some mirrors, of, maybe a mirror of an essence of thought video and an upload of Howard Stern kind of, you know, debunking uh, Kirk Cameron's crap. And I used to watch a lot of Atheism is Unstoppable's original content. I still think he's uh, pretty funny and I still do check in with his channel and watch him. I did get a little soured when... Uh, <laughs> this has nothing to do with his views, uh, but it's more like a personal thing. When So here's how the story goes. So, and a lot of you have probably heard this before. So I had done a video entitled YouTube Atheist or something like that. And it was really just me talking about different YouTube atheists, obviously, that I found interesting and, and who I personally liked. And among them was Atheism is Unstoppable. And... Uh, I think he liked what I had to say about him, and he included the clip in a montage he did. I think it was entitled something like People Are Talking About the Rue or something like that. And um, he did like three positive clips, and I was among those. And then he did like three negative clips of people like talking shit about him or whatever. And uh, he refers to his subscribers or his followers as flying monkeys. And if he doesn't like what you have to say, he will unleash the flying monkeys on you and they'll downvote your video on Moss. And so he told his flying monkeys to unleash hell, but he only meant on the negative videos. I started to get people from his channel downvoting some of my content. And he was like, and I went to his channel and I'm like, friendly fireman, you know, what's going on? And he actually came to my channel and apologized really graciously, really good-naturedly, uh, was just being a really nice guy, and said, you know, forgive my flying monkeys, they know not what they do. I, I thought it was clear that I was using your clip in a positive context or whatever. And on the heels of that, actually, to this day, I think I still have some of his viewers now among my viewers. A lot of people were like, hold on, guys, why the hell are you downvoting this guy, <laughs> you know? And then uh, I happened to mention race in passing. And just really briefly, I did my little spiel, <laughs> like I did today about how, um, you know, I basically think we're one species. Uh, I don't even know if it's scientifically correct to try to divide us up into different racial groups. Although, like I said, obviously there are uh, phenotypal differences and there are phys some physiological differences between different um, groups, which is what happens when you have groups that uh, populations that are isolated over long periods of time. You adapt a bit and you, you develop some uh, superficial or genetic uh, differences. And someone said to me something, one of his viewers said to me, you may not believe in race, but you better be aware of what neighborhood you're in or something like that. 
And I took it to mean that he was saying, you know, whether or not race is a social construct, the concept of race is still real. Uh, people do kind of divide themselves among ethnic lines and among quote unquote racial lines. And I agreed with the guy, you know, whatever the truth is on a genetic level, people do still divide themselves or each other along these tribal lines based on skin color, religion, ethnicity, etc. And if you're a pasty white dude like me, yeah, you might not want to find yourself in the quote-unquote wrong neighborhood at night. No doubt about it. And I agreed with the guy. And I said that, you know, but I didn't think that's because blacks or Hispanics are inherently inferior or anything like that or inherently more violent, I think it probably has to do with, uh, you know, socioeconomic, cultural stuff, uh, whatever. And I ended up uh, catching some flack from Atheism is Unstoppable. I think he said something like, I was listening to your video. I really enjoyed it. 45 minute mark or something. Um, beta male stance, sad fail. Or something like that. You know what I mean? And I did like a friendly outreach thing. Like, I think you got, I think you took what I'm saying the wrong way. I'm not saying that socioeconomic status or whatever, or, you know, um, a history of segregation or marginalization or whatever justifies black crime. I think people at the end of the day are still responsible for, you know, whatever criminal acts they commit and have to answer for them, especially if it's really serious crimes like, you know, gang violence and murder and things like that. And he was, he said something like, well, if you don't think it matters or something, why are you bringing up irrelevant stuff? And, you know, I just tried to make peace and bury the hatchet and um, I think not too long ago, I tried to reach a handout to him again. And I said, you know, I happened to find this weird video of someone um, kind of lampooning him. And I asked him if he had seen it. And I think he just replied with one word, yeah, or something like that. And then, then I replied again. And I was like, well, um, are you going to do one of your takedowns or whatever, uh, you know? And he replied yawn with one, you know, one word answer. So I'm kind of like, uh, pardon my French. I, I just talked uh, like earlier in the show uh, about how um, I don't swear much on the show and, and I try to be, you know, listener friendly or whatever. But I was kind of like, you know, fuck it. If, if you know, I have dignity. I, I'm like, uh, I try to be a nice guy, but I'm not like a carpet to be walked on. Um, I still watch some of his content and I still consider myself relatively friendly towards him, but you know, it's like, I'm a guy and I got pride. There's only so much crap uh, I'll take. And, and in fairness, that was all pretty tame in comparison. You know what I mean? Like when atheism unstoppable doesn't like you, he can really, you know, figuratively tear you a new one. Uh, he'll just try to verbally crush you. So by his standards, that was kind of kid glove stuff. You know what I mean? But as a grown man, I don't want to be like that little dog from the old Warner Brothers cartoons that tags along behind the big bulldog, always trying to uh, get his attention. Hey, Spike! You know, notice me, senpai. Uh, no, no one's getting any of that stuff from me. You know, I'm, I'm my own person. And as nice and as patient as I am, I don't take shit off of people. So, yeah, 
So, I mean, like I said, I still consider myself friendly towards him, still enjoy some of his content. I'm not looking to feud with him or anything like that, not at all. Uh, I'm happy uh, keeping uh, the peace um, and keeping things relatively civil. But I guess that's just kind of... Um, I, I don't know if I ever really went over all of that to that extent before on the show. So, yeah, you know, what the hell? I figured I'd just air all that out. And uh, and I guess there you have it. Um, and with that being said, you guys know the drill. Facebook, Twitter, Patreon, iTunes, Podbean, etc. I was going to start a new segment today, but... I've already rambled on for too long. Uh, We're in like almost 50 minutes before editing. So uh, anyways, uh, thanks for listening, guys. I hope you liked it. And for you AIU fans out there, hopefully you don't take uh, my venting the wrong way. And uh, until next time, all right. (laughs) 